Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, everybody. It's been a while. Yeah. Well, a long, a long while. It's been a long while. Life's, life's been happening. Yeah. Um, well, we were actually uh, trapped in the Gamma Quadrant for a little bit. Mm. Um, but, you know, through some you know, use of some wormholes and uh, help from, uh, from the Q Continuum, we made it back. Yeah. So uh that that's pretty much our our epic tale <laughs> <laughs> of not very epicness. Yeah, life uh, just gets in the way sometimes. Life does get in the way, but you know what is better than real life? Star Trek. It's true. I escape into it often, so uh <laughs> you know, and uh we're we're getting near the the end here for Enterprise. Um that sounds really dire, but yeah, we've only got a couple episodes left after the two we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it will be on to that uh, that show you may have heard about. We're gonna we're gonna cover that some, right? The Big what Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they they do like make jokes or you know reference Star Trek on there a lot. Yeah, so. they're really big Star Trek fans. Yeah, it's pretty much like watching Star Trek. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got. You know, Sheldon, he's kind of like Spock, and then I don't know who anyone else is, but um, yeah, Will Wheaton's on there a lot, so there you go. Um, um, no, no uh, Discovery. Yeah. Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, coming uh, uh, in May. Uh, some some big happenings. Oh, uh, yeah. Since we last recorded. Uh, Brian Fuller's off the show. Yeah, talk about talk about big happenings. I mean, he was kind of the force that got it in motion, and... You know, we're looking forward to seeing what he'd do with it. Now it looks like we'll just kind of see the results of him being involved for the kind of the pre-production mm-hmm. of the show because he's completely off. Yes, uh, he's he's uh, the word is that he's got a bunch of other stuff going on right now. Yeah, and they're keep being sort of you know a little little bit here, a little bit there about oh was this you know his decision or was it CBS's decision uh you know there've been some comments made and initially you know they were talking about it being he was too busy with American Gods or you know this that and the other thing and then you have him saying oh you've got my number if you want to get in touch with me CBS uh but i guess i actually saw a new ish interview or a different interview with him today where he didn't really bring that up so i don't know but uh, i mean the long and the short of it is he's not involved with the show any longer yeah which is a bummer it is a bummer um i'm I'm hoping you know that we get to at least see some of what his vision was for this because i feel like in a big part he kind of you know got it going but uh we, we, I guess we don't know and maybe won't know the full story probably for years after it's aired, <laughs> like with everything else, Star Trek, right? right? You always hear like, you know, they'll make a documentary like, you know, the one about uh, the TNG or something. I saw uh, For the Love of Spock, by the way. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. That's on Netflix now, right? Mm-hmm. And is is that the documentary that's directed by his son? Yes. Adam oh. Nimoy. Cool. How was it? It was really good. Uh, it was good insight into the life of Leonard Nimoy and the uh, phenomenon of, that Spock and Star Trek was mm-hmm. uh, at the time. Did they cover his singing career at all? A little bit. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. that's actually something I'd really like to know even a bit more about. Yeah, they um, talked a little bit about his uh, singing career and his photography career. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually something that's had a bit of a, a crossover into my, well, not my life directly, but I definitely, you know, have friends that, um, were, you know, kind of like photographed by him or like somehow, you know, kind of connected with helping him out with his photography projects and stuff. So that's another interesting aspect of, of him. He was a very interesting individual Mm -hmm. to put it lightly. So yeah, I've definitely got to check that out. Um, but, uh, going, circling back to discovery, mm -hmm. uh, there's been some casting. Yes, there has. Uh, we got Michelle Yeoh. Mm -hmm. She's, she's in it. Yeah, you know, from from Crouching Tiger and a multitude of other cool things, mm-hmm. and um, so she's she's playing a Starfleet captain, but not but the not, captain of the Discovery. No, she's not even a, a crew member on the Discovery. Apparently, she has her own ship. So part of this whole new cruise part of the teaser. Mm. Yeah, multi- multiple crews because I, you know, I, I think we mentioned this before we recorded that I don't think they'd do some kind of stunt casting like that and just have her show up in one episode. But you never know. Yeah. I mean, she could just show up in the intro and then get killed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, got D- Doug Jones. Mm-hmm. Famous, like, creature actor. Um, Abe Sapien from Hellboy and Hellboy 2. And has also been in a lot of other stuff. And he's, so he's going to be playing a, an alien crew member. Of not the discovery, or is have they said? Uh, I don't know, actually. I think so. I do know what I read. It uh, said that he's going to be a science officer, an alien science officer. So expect to see him in some pretty crazy makeup. Oh, and it's a new alien species that we haven't seen before in Star Trek. Mm. That was the other bit of info about him. So he'll be a Lieutenant Saru. Oh, okay. Not Sulu. No. Wait, Saru. Doesn't that mean, like, monkey? Saruman? Saruman? (laughs) An epic crossover. We find out that Star Trek is actually the future of Lord of the Rings. Well, Lord of the Rings is kind of the past of the Earth. Mm Mm-hmm. In a way. So there you go. In a way. Uh, And Anthony Rapp, who is Lieutenant Stamets. So, I don't recall seeing him in anything before i know that he was one of the stars of rent on broadway um but that's kind of all i know about him Hmm. so yeah i don't i don't know anything he's been in he was new to me he was new to me um and i guess apparently he's another science officer but he's on the discovery and he's has an expertise i think in alien fungus or something (laughs) like okay that should be interesting Sure. Yeah, they'll they'll just find a way for every episode to somehow, you know, rely on him knowing a lot about fungus. <laughs> maybe they have an outbreak like in The Last of Us. Yeah, maybe. It's cordyceps fungus or something. Yeah, so we finally have some Oh, I think so we finally have some uh some casting, but we still don't know base as far as we're aware who the main characters are going to be played by or right. even who the main characters are mm-hmm. because none of these are the main character we've heard about who is a female first officer, presumably on the discovery. Um, we don't know who the discovery's captain is, but we did when, when this news broke the other day, we had some theories about 
how this might play out. Or you had one specific theory about the discovery itself, right? Uh, I don't remember what my theory was. <laughs> oh, I remember you telling me that, that you thought, well, you know, what it was a what if scenario of the discovery not actually appearing until like the end of the first season. Oh, right, right. <laughs> or, you know, or maybe Michelle Yeoh is the captain of a, of a Starfleet ship that gets, goes missing and the discovery sent out, you know, maybe on its first mission to find her ship or something. And, you know, the, uh, Klingons get involved, et cetera, et cetera. Of course. We'll just have to see. Yeah. I wonder who they're going to get to replace, uh, Brian Fuller as the showrunner. Mm, right, right. Um, well, um, the director slash writer of, uh, Wrath of Khan and the Voyage Home is still involved, I think. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he would be um, uh, up for that or not. Uh, I was trying to think of some of the some of the people involved with Enterprise <laughs> <laughs> that they might try to bring in, like Manny Cotto, um, or and I don't know if he's involved with the new Twenty Four or not. I haven't really looked into that too much. Or uh, there was uh, Fred Decker. Um, who was pretty heavily involved. I think he was an executive producer on Enterprise. Uh, he's a, you know, pretty well-known sci-fi action director in his own right from the 80s. You can see some of those people being involved. He, uh, Fred Decker, he is, I remember him most on uh, Enterprise from being, I think, the writer and director of the uh, first Andorian episode, hmm. which was actually pretty good. So, yeah. you know, he introduced us to... Uh, to our, our, our favorite uh, alien on uh, on Enterprise. So, yeah. Obviously, Ron Moore would be great, but he's yeah. he's busy. Oh, yeah. doesn't what, What's he working on? Outlander? Mm-hmm. Is that his movie? Yeah. Or his show now? His movie. Yep, his movie. His televised movie. You know, it's really hard to tell the difference between TV and movies nowadays. Yeah. How about uh, Jonathan Nolan from <laughs> Westworld? <laughs> we just start throwing a lot of uh, wish list people out there. So let's see. Was was there any other? Do we do we miss any other uh, discovery news? Uh, we I don't think our so. Our little hiatus. No. Yeah, they they've been pretty slow releasing news. Uh, it was like a small burst of, we've got to cast Brian yeah. Fuller's out. All right, now that's <laughs> well, it. Uh, yeah, the Michelle Yeoh that was actually leaked ahead of time, so that wasn't even that big of a surprise, or wasn't a, a big surprise when it was finally announced. Um, oh, I guess the other bit of discovery news that that I had read recently, uh, or maybe even uh, yesterday, uh, for those of you listening to this in the future, uh, it's December fifth right now, uh, that the show isn't actually going to start filming it until January hmm. 2017. So, wow. Um, I guess there's a reason behind it being delayed till May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no to way. debut in January. Yeah, no way it's going to make January. <clears throat> yeah, wouldn't even have time to do the special effects or anything. So, yeah. So, um, oh, uh, well, in 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 semi-related uh, Star Trek news, uh, we, we hit up the, the local toy show. This past weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, there's some Star Trek stuff. Yeah, you you got uh, Star Trek stuff in particular. Yeah, I did. Um, just one thing this time. Uh, it's a uh, holodeck series Star Trek: The Next Generation data figure, uh, where he's dressed in 1940s clothing. 
uh, you know, from the holodeck when, when they're in the 1940s. Dixon Hill. Yeah, Dixon Hill times. So now I have Dixon Hill. I have uh, Captain Picard as Dixon Hill. And then a nice matching uh, uh, data in a fedora and a suit, suit and tie. Now you got to get the uh, rest of the Dixon Hill gang. Yeah, so um, you were telling me that there's also a Guinan. Guinan and uh, Dr. Crusher. Yeah, I've got definitely got to get those because Dixon Hill, some of the best stuff for sure. And that's all I got. But our, our friend uh, Cody, who's been on Truck Trek before, he picked up some fun stuff. I don't even remember everything he got. But I know uh, he got some Christmas tree ornaments. Yeah, just I think it was just Christmas tree ornaments. <laughs> uh, yeah, he got a uh, Commander Riker ornament. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a uh, Mister Spock. And oh, he got that too. Yeah. Oh wow. And uh, Data. Yeah, da- and Data's like sitting at the. I think he's sitting at the helm of the Enterprise. Yeah, I think so. Wow. And we saw some other ones too. That. In retrospect, I'm actually kind of kicking myself for not getting. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I mean, there was the NX-01 yeah. Enterprise with lights, or a light, I guess. And it came with its own stand, even though it was an ornament, which leads me to believe it's really heavy. Yeah. <laughs> you can't actually hang on a tree. It came with a stand that had sound effects, if I recall correctly. Oh, okay. So it's kind of an ornament that you can display all year round. And the other one that that I had a good laugh at was uh, Captain Archer in his captain's chair <laughs> as an ornament because, you know, Enterprise was super popular back in the day, apparently. <laughs> I think there might be more Enterprise Christmas ornaments than there were action figures. Yeah, made. action figures only <laughs> lasted two waves, I think. Uh-huh. It was, yeah. uh, it was pretty, pretty weak for uh, action figures. Yeah, for a for a Star Trek series that you know lasted more than a season. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's because uh, I believe Art Asylum was the ones doing the figures uh, instead of Playmates. Playmates would mm-hmm. just keep cranking out Star Trek figures. <laughs> They'd probably still be making Enterprise figures. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So uh, that, that that was our haul, limited as it was, but. Um, yeah, we've just, you know, been Star trek all over the place. Even when we're not talking about Star Trek on a podcast. But now we are going to talk about Star Trek. That we are. I'm ready. Are you? Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 4, Episode 19, In a Mirror Darkly, Part 2. Original air date, April 29th, 2005. Uh, continuing where the last episode left off, Archer and his team watch as the Enterprise is destroyed. They try to escape in the Defiant, but the Tholians start creating another web to trap the Defiant. Oh, those Tholians. They're always creating those webs. Yeah, the webs they weave. Uh, it's then it's the opening credits, the Mirror Universal version, um, which the music is still... It could have been better. <laughs> yeah, they had a second chance to get it right, and they failed. Uh, after the break, T'Pol and Trip get the Defiance weapons online, and the Defiant makes short work of the Tholians. Archer has the Enterprise's escape pods uh, brought aboard the Defiant. Uh, unfortunately, Trip isn't sure that he can get the warp drive online. Uh, T'Pol suggests letting the alien slaves take a look at the engines, and she says that because there are only 47 crew members left, they should head back to Earth and let Starfleet examine the ship. However, Archer is in a hurry to get to the front lines in the war against the Rebellion. 
he is also ready to get payback for T'Pol's betrayal. Uh, but T'Pol once again allies herself with Archer. Uh, later, Hoshi visits Archer in the captain's quarters. He's wearing an old school command uniform and he tells her about <laughs> the historical records he found from, uh, our universe for the lack of a better term. Yeah. The, the mirror universe without the second mirror. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, more like a federation of fools, Archer says, scoffing <laughs> at the notion of a united federation of planets and uh, laughing at their other selves. Yeah, I think uh, it, it could only have been sillier if he had like a, a mustache that he was twirling. He should have had a goatee. Yeah, really, <laughs> really. I mean, it was a huge missed opportunity. Anyways. Uh, elsewhere, Kelby tells Trip that some plasma regulators are missing. Uh, Kelby finds a regulator on the ground, but then he is attacked from above by a mysterious creature. Uh, later on the bridge, Phlox tells Archer that he found traces of reptilian saliva in Kelby's wounds. Archer orders the interrogation of one of the alien slaves to find more information. Archer threatens to use his phaser to disintegrate the blue-skinned alien he is interrogating. And the alien tells Archer that the reptile is the slave master Slar. Turns out that Slar is a Gorn who had been sabotaging the ship. Uh-oh. It's the Gorn. The Gorn are here. Uh, on the bridge, Archer is being briefed by Reed about their mission to capture Slar when he sees a vision of our universe's Archer. Mirror Universe Archer is clearly jealous of his alternate universe counterpart. Uh, Slar calls <laughs> Archer and tells him that uh, Slar wants to leave the ship via shuttlecraft, and he will tell Archer where he can find the plasma regulators once he's safely away from the Defiant. Archer refuses to negotiate. And he has Reed assemble a team to hunt Slar down. Uh, they track down Slar's comm signal, but it's a trap. The communicator was ready to explode, and Reed is incapacitated. Uh, Archer and a Mako chase after Slar. There's a fight. Archer leads Slar into a trap. Uh, T'Pol cranks up the gravity where Slar is standing, and Archer then executes Slar. Uh, Archer Starlog, January 18th, 2155. The missing engine parts have been found, and the Defiant is on its way to rendezvous with the assault fleet. In the mess hall, Vlox tells T'Pol that Reed's condition could go either way. T'Pol tries to stir up trouble by mentioning that in the Federation, humans and Denobulans and Vulcans are all equals. Uh, another NX-class ship on which a goateed Saval is working the science station. So there you go. There's your goatee. <laughs> Saval has a goatee. Great. Uh, this NX ship is being attacked by rebels when the Defiant shows up to save the day. Admiral Black is taking on a tour of the Defiant. Uh, Archer requests a field promotion so that he can formally captain... Uh, so that he can formally captain the Defiant. Uh, Admiral Black respectfully declines. Archer is taunted by his alternate universe self. Because <laughs> Mirror Archer is going crazy. Basically. And seeing non-Mirror Universe stuff somehow. Just taunting him. Mm -hmm. uh, Archer vaporizes Admiral Black with a phaser. <laughs> He's really gone crazy. <laughs> it's the Mirror Universe. Mm -hmm. Everything's topsy-turvy. When, when at first you don't succeed, vaporize. Yep. Uh, Archer rallies his troops against both the rebels and the corrupt leaders of the Terran Empire. Uh, T'Pol visits Saval, and they talk about the alternate universe historical files. 
T'Pol wants to start Archer, but T'Pol thinks Archer might be right. Uh, T'Pol wants to give the Defiant schematics to the Rebels and then destroy the Defiant itself because she believes Archer will destroy Vulcan after he takes care of the Rebels. She just needs T'Pol's help. Uh, in Archer's quarters, the increasingly paranoid Archer tells Hoshi that he's going to get all the non-Terrans off the Defiant because the aliens could be rebel spies. Uh, oh, he geez. makes an exception for Flux, however. Hmm. This is like some uh, kind of uh, maybe a, a a glimpse ahead at, at our next episode in a weird way. Hmm. Uh, on the bridge, T'Pol is copying the data. Archer and Mayweather enter the bridge and have T'Pol escorted to a transporter room. Archer then gets in contact with Fleet Admiral Gardner. Archer has demanded Starfleet surrender. Hmm. Uh, you know. Well, he has the most powerful ship in the fleet. True. He can destroy every other ship. Uh, Flox is told there's a medical emergency on the Avenger, the NX ship. Uh, once he arrives, T'Pol and Saval tell Flox their plan to take out Archer because Archer has decided to make himself the Emperor of the Terran Empire. They tempt <laughs> Flox by saying that anyone who saves the Emperor's life will be given anything they want, including an unlimited amount of concubines. Oh, jeez. That's something Flox would like, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, Hoshi and Ameko confront T'Pol about the stolen schematics. There's a brief fight, but T'Pol is ultimately incapacitated by the Mako's rifle. She is brought to Archer. T'Pol says that the Federation is their future. Uh, Flox sabotages the Defiant, and the Avenger attacks the ship. Trip and Flox get into a fight. Trip wins and gets the Defiant back online, and the Defiant makes short work of the Avenger. Hmm. Uh, later, Archer and Hoshi are celebrating in his bed. Suddenly, he's in pain. Hoshi runs to get help and returns with Mayweather, whom she kisses. It turns out that Hoshi has poisoned Archer's drink. And, what? And Archer realizes that he was betrayed by Hoshi and Mayweather before he finally collapses. Uh, later, the Defiant has reached Earth, and Hoshi contacts Fleet Admiral Gardner, declaring herself Empress Sato as the episode ends. Oh boy! It really is the mirror universe when Hoshi's doing stuff. Yeah, and Hoshi Hoshi basically comes out victorious at the end. Mm-hmm. She she played the game. It was the game of captains' chairs. <laughs> you know, it's like the Game of Thrones only on Star Trek. And in the case of this episode, not as good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was fine. It's nice um, to take a little break from the main, yeah. main universe. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure a two-parter was necessary. No, I think they probably could have kind of squeezed it all into one or, you know, you pared it down to the essentials and got in there like, okay, well, we, we're, we're wrapping up the series here. So we, we got to squeeze as many more uh, original series references in as possible. So <laughs> in fact, you know, we're going to have like- original series sets. And yeah, original series uniforms and original series starship and the Gorn. You know, eh, the Gorn was pretty cool though. Mm-hmm. He was he was CG. I mean, come <laughs> on, they they spent the entire series CG budget on, <laughs> on yeah, the Gorn. Mid two thousands TV CG is the best. Ugh. Uh, no, I mean it was there was nice little fan service with the uniforms and everything we've mm-hmm. talked about, but. Uh, everyone is so chewing up so much scenery mm-hmm. in the mirror universe episodes. Yeah. 
It's a lot. It's it's really a lot. So, you know, I know this is considered a, a, a truly great episode. And, you know, I don't dislike this episode, but I definitely think that Enterprise has, has had a lot. There have been a, a, a lot better episodes right. of Enterprise. Um, I, I don't think it's it's the best epi- two episodes of Enterprise by any means. Well, the thing about it is, as we've discussed, it hits those nostalgia buttons. Mm-hmm. And people, yeah, you know, sure. people like that. That's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's, I didn't say I thought it was bad. I just, you know, it it just wasn't wasn't the greatest of of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. So. And and I think Enterprise has, you know, maybe we'll recap these after the, the series is over. But, you know, it's had some truly great episodes and it's had some really horrible ones, too. <laughs> yeah, there are some but, really but bad episodes. But that's TV, right? That's sci-fi TV. Uh, yeah, I just, I would rather see adventures of the regular crew that we've seen uh, throughout yeah. the series. Yeah, especially, you know, at the very end of the series. So, anyways. Uh, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk about demons. Ooh. Scary. UPN Friday. With only three new episodes left, terror spreads over the earth. We must reject the impure and cast it out! I am returning Earth to human beings. And the greatest threat of all... The Vulcan human hybrid. The offspring of Commander Tucker and Commander DePaul. ...is a little child. They're going to kill her. RoboCop's Peter Weller guest stars. They look so innocent. Star Trek Enterprise... And we're back. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 4, Episode 20, Demons. Original air date, May 6, 2005. Take it away, Randy. All right. So this episode starts out inside of some sort of facility. Uh, there are two men, and I noted that they are played by none other than Peter Weller, Robocop and Buckaroo Banzai himself. And the infinitely lesser-known Patrick Fischler, who's who's kind of a character actor. On, he, he's uh, a TV pretty well-known. Uh, yeah, he's a well. He's well-known as a character actor. He's not. He's That's not, what he's I not mean. known by name, but no. When you no see him, say, when you yeah, see him, oh, you go, "Oh, it's that guy." Yeah, it's that, that guy from uh, from L.A. Noir and many other things. Uh, yeah, so they're discussing a patient. Uh, Weller's character. Uh, is talking about how innocent she looks, uh, and it's almost possible to forget what she represents. Well, who is the she, you may ask? Well, the camera pans around. A sealed chamber, uh, almost like a hyperbaric chamber, to reveal an infant girl with Vulcan ears. Hmm. And that's the beginning of the episode. Uh, we come back, uh, and we're at Starfleet Command. Uh, there's a ceremony underway uh, with the Andorians, Tellarites, Vulcans, and other races are in talks on a coalition of planets. And uh, if you've if you've looked into the the past of the Federation, you know that that it began with the coalition of planets. Uh, and of course, the Enterprise crew is there. Uh, they're observing the ceremonies, and Archer tells them to clap louder. I, I quoted that. <laughs> <laughs> the crew seems upset that the human speaker from Starfleet didn't mention the Enterprise crew's contributions to this coalition. Uh, afterwards, that man, uh, whose name is Samuels, speaks with Archer and Hoshi, congratulating uh, Hoshi on the improvements she's made to the Universal Translator. 
Uh, Elsewhere, Travis runs into a woman who he obviously knows who is there to cover the meeting as a member of the press. Just then, a terrified woman enters the building and makes her way through the crowd to T'Pol, handing T'Pol a vial before collapsing. It turns out this woman has been shot in the stomach with a phase pistol. It's a pretty nasty wound. Uh, later, in Sick Bay, Phlox informs the crew that the woman, whose name was Susan Corey, died from her injury. He also reveals that after multiple retests, he's determined that the hair from the vial that she gave to Paul comes from a child belonging to to Paul and Trip. What? Yeah. So the so presumably the baby that we saw chilling with uh, Peter Weller and Patrick Fischler at the beginning. Trip later visits T'Pol in her quarters, and they talk about this revelation. T'Pol swears to Trip that she's never been pregnant but that she somehow knows that this child is theirs. Hmm. In another part of the ship, Archer and Samuels discuss this situation. Samuels doesn't want word of the child getting out because anti-alien sentiment has been growing on Earth ever since the Zindi attack, Mm -hmm. especially due to groups like Terra Prime. Uh, Later, Archer sends Malcolm to San Francisco... Uh, and I noted, which looks really blue and fake, <laughs> <laughs> to co- covertly meet with Harris from Section 31. He's back. He's back. Yeah, on a rooftop in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, Harris doesn't want to divulge anything to Malcolm until Malcolm agrees to rejoin Section 31. Uh, it's a little. It was a little unclear to me if uh, Malcolm agreed to rejoin Section Thirty One, uh, but Harris still reveals some things to him. Uh, he, he tells him that Susan Curry worked for Terra Prime, and that the Enterprise crew needs to find this half-human, half-Vulcan child to get answers. Uh, we cut to the surface of the moon. Uh, where the two men from earlier are talking about the situation with the deceased Miss Curry. Uh, Peter Weller's character is concerned that she may have told Starfleet too much. And Fischler's character says that she got too attached to their patient. Weller wonders if Fischler has become too attached, but he denies it. Weller calls the child an abomination that will be dealt with. Uh... Peter Weller's character says he's going to miss this place and tells Fischler to send in a character named Greaves. Uh, Weller's character tells Greaves that there's a loose end that needs to be tied up and to assemble a team to meet up with him later. Back on Earth, Archer visits with Samuels again at Starfleet to get his help in attaining a case file related to Curry and Terra Prime. Uh, Samuels initially refuses, but Archer reveals that he knows Samuels was once a member of Terra Prime. Samuels tries to defend himself by saying it was but a youthful transgression uh, that arose from him being angry that a Denobulan was piloting the transport his father died on. Uh, Realizing that Archer has the upper hand, he relents and agrees to help with the file. Back on Enterprise in Travis's quarters, uh, Gannette Brooks, the woman he ran into Starfleet, is speaking with him. Uh, she says that she's on board to report on life aboard Enterprise. Uh, Travis and Gannett start talking about their past relationship. Surprise, surprise. And Travis offers to take her on a tour of the ship as a way to defuse the situation. Uh, there's a quick scene uh, where Trip tells Phlox 
that his father, Tripp's father, always wanted a grandchild, but Tripp expected his sister to be the one to deliver on that wish. And of course, we know that Tripp's sister died in the Zindi attack. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back on the moon, Weller's character is watching a video of a military leader giving impassioned speech. Uh, Greaves returns, and they talk about this man uh, who's on the video named Colonel Green uh, and the speech he delivered three years after the ceasefire of World War III. Uh, Greaves gives Weller an update on the child patient before leaving. Uh, Once he's gone, Weller injects himself with something. Hmm. Uh, Just a side note, Colonel Green is from an original series episode. Oh, right. I knew that sounded familiar. Uh, I didn't remember. The Savage Curtain. Oh, okay. Wow. Now I'll have to go back and watch that episode. Uh, Back on Enterprise, uh, Travis is still uh, showing Brooks around the ship, and they come across the shuttle pods. I know that simply they get into one and start making out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We cut to Archer. Uh, telling the senior off officers about Corey's autopsy. It looks like Samuels came through with the files he requested, uh, which showed that her blood contained traces. Tr- her blood contained traces of a hormone given to personnel at a, at certain off-world facilities, such as Orpheus, a mining operation on the moon that's been known to harbor terror, Terra Prime operatives. Hmm. So it's all starting to come together, I think. Uh, Reed says that Travis has a friend who can sneak them into the Orpheus facility. Uh, Trip and Paul volunteer for the away mission. Uh, we cut back to the moon to see miners digging Patrick Fischler's character out from under a pile of rocks. And he is dead, I said. <laughs> so presumably what he there was a loose end that needed tying up. So uh, you might notice I've been calling these characters Peter Weller and Patrick Fischler. As far as I'm aware uh, from my notes, they don't actually have names yet uh, on the show. <laughs> this is a problem with Enterprise uh, from the very beginning. Yes. They introduce so, characters and don't tell you what their names are. Yeah, I just thought it might seem a little weird that I'm not calling them by their character names. I'm really a huge fan of both these actors. (laughs) I want them to get the credit they deserve. Um, It's not that they, you know, can't embody the characters. (laughs) They just don't have names yet. Uh, Later, uh, Tripp and T'Pol search for clues on the moon as Travis and Brooks uh, are in bed talking about their future together. Mm. Lots of characters being in bed with each other lately. Uh, on the Enterprise Bridge, Hoshi informs Reed that there's a problem with the Universal Translators. Uh, and I noted that at the time, it seemed kind of random to just show this little clip, like, or this little scene. Like, why does it matter? There's a problem with the translators. So this is something you discuss off camera. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, we go back to the moon where a miner invites Trip to a Terra Prime meeting. They're, they're actively recruiting. Uh, T'Pol shows up to alert him about the dead man who was connected with Miss Curry. Back on Enterprise, Archer and security arrive at Travis's quarters and arrest Gannett Brooks for being a Terra Prime spy. I'm shocked. Yeah, the, the, we didn't see that one coming. Uh, <laughs> it turns out, and now we're going to find out why that, that weird little scene was, was there earlier, that she's been using the universal translator to eavesdrop on the crew, and they were picking up her tampering, apparently. Uh, on the moon, the Orpheus contingent of Terra Prime 
capture Trip and T'Pol, because, surprise, uh, Brooks told them they were coming. Uh, they're taken to Peter Weller, who introduces himself. He introduces himself finally, not as uh, Murphy from Robocop, but as John Frederick Paxton. I thought it was a pretty great name. The leader of Terror Prime. Uh, he tells the captive Starfleet officers that he will return Earth to its rightful owners. And I said, uh, I believe he means not aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Unless maybe he thinks aliens were the original owners of the Earth. Uh, part of his plan involves launching the Orpheus facility, which turns out to actually be a spaceship. Arsenal gear? It's it's Arsenal gear. Yeah, this place isn't just a uh, a mining facility. It's a spaceship. Uh, meanwhile, on Enterprise, Brooks is being questioned by Archer, uh, who reveals uh, that she used the Universal Translator to eavesdrop on the Enterprise crew. Uh, I might have noted that a second time. Uh, when she won't talk to Archer, he has her taken to the brig. Uh, after this scene, Enterprise sees Orpheus leaving the moon. Uh, and this is not Morpheus from uh, the Matrix. It's, it's the Orpheus station. Uh, within the spaceship, Paxton reveals that the ship is actually capable of warp, and after s- stating this, uh, they warp to Mars' orbit. They land on Mars, and its crew commandeers the Veteran Array. Uh, it is a basically a big beam weapon that is used to deflect asteroids and comets, and fires it at the moon. Like Chairface Chippendale. Yeah, basically, he starts ca- he starts carving Paxton in the moon, <laughs> but only gets Pax on there. And uh, they're Pax- like, oh, that means peace. Yeah, oh, because he wants to be our friend. <laughs> uh, Paxton goes, I wrote, goes on the air. <laughs> Paxton begins a transmission, I think it would be more of the Star Trek way Paxton, to say it. on the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paxton's finally uh, gotten his ham radio license. <laughs> no, uh, he uh, Paxton uh, starts a transmission uh, from the Orpheus facility, uh, calling for all non-humans to leave the solar system immediately. Uh, as Archer watches this from the Enterprise bridge, not sure of what to do next, and that's the end of the episode. Uh, as you alluded to uh, before, it's weird that they're doing another pro-human anti-alien story uh, uh-huh. since they just did that in the Mirror Universe two-parter. Yeah, they did that. Uh, and then, you know, we've obviously had some connection to this earlier in the show as well. Uh, you know, there was there was the the uh, the guys on Earth that that assault um or rather, there there was some stuff with flocks, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was the episode where some other guys assault flocks, and they and they <laughs> think it's they think it's anti alien like activists, but it's actually um, you know the Klingons, right? And anyways, there's a, there's this weird like xenophobia <laughs> like subplot going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's about uniting everyone, and that's yeah. what Star Trek's about. But mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you had one story arc that had a lot of that, mm-hmm. and then you're starting a second story arc that also continues that. Yeah, 
Yeah, but but I think you're right when when you you say it that way that uh, about the uniting of different species that it it does really I think fall in pretty well or fit in pretty well rather with with the whole idea of you know forming Starfleet or the United Federation of Planets rather mm-hmm. and and something that I think really needs to get you know kind of addressed more before the series ends. Well, they only have two more episodes, so <laughs> yeah, exactly we gotta squeeze it in. <laughs> Um, I'm still not sure why Paxton created Trip into Paul's baby. Yeah, well, you know, there's the scene where he's injecting himself with something. So, you know, my thought initially was, oh, you know, he's he's like a hypocrite. He's like, no alien stuff. And then is he like injecting himself with cells from the baby or something? Mm, maybe he is an alien. Oh, that would be very Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> the big reveal. Paxton's actually an alien. Yeah. And he's, oh, yeah, I wonder if he's injecting himself with something to keep him looking like a human. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. What if he's there to thwart the formation of the coalition of planets? What if he's a Romulan? Ooh, he could be a Romulan. Or, yeah, I I think that might be right on the nose we'll have to see (laughs) (laughs) they didn't do plastic surgery they did something stranger um and that might that might explain why there's this you know vulcan human hybrid you know since they're related to vulcans but um uh, yeah peter weller playing a bad guy again in mm -hmm. star trek uh as in star trek into darkness Mm mm-hmm uh, I, I love Peter Weller. Uh, he's he's great. But yeah, he's, it was great to see him show up. <laughs> he seems to be playing similar roles. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, this uh, it was an okay episode. It's you know this the first part of a two parter. Hmm. Yeah, it, it, I was gonna say if if I didn't know better. Uh, the the other conspiracy theory I would have about Peter Weller's character. Is that he's a Sulaban, hmm. but we we do I I think at this point we know that the temporal Cold War is over. But I mean I guess that'd be a pretty interesting way to cap off the series, right? Well, to have it go back to the beginning. They already killed off Silic though. Yeah, Silic was kind of like, like the main guy. Maybe this is like Silic's brother. <laughs> Or it'd be really interesting if Peter Weller was actually the Shadow Man from the future. Oh, that yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, we're coming up with all these potentially cool ideas, and it's really just going to be some alien guy. Or, no, he's, I think he's a just, alien. Or he'll just be a human. <laughs> he's exactly what he <laughs> says he is. Yeah. Uh, this, this episode was directed by LeVar Burton. Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's he's directed a few episodes of Enterprise. Uh, some not-so-great ones, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, some 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 good, some bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still interested to see where this is going. I mean, uh, unless they 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 intend to totally change the timeline, uh, I'm gonna say that <laughs> he's <laughs> unsuccessful. <laughs> Yet another case of uh, the the problems of a prequel, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really you know make us think that anyone's in peril at this point, but. You know, one thing I will say is we don't exactly know the fates of some of these characters because, you know, none of them are ever referenced in uh, in other Star Trek. So Except for Archer. You know. Right, right. Except for Porthos. 
in Porthos. So everyone else is fair game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. I, I, we'll, we'll find out what happens with uh, Trip and Paul's baby. Yeah. Maybe they'll introduce a new character at the very end of the show. Yeah. And she'll, uh, the baby will grow to be full adult age in like two days and then take (laughs) off with a traveler or something. Yeah. All right. See, we should have been writing this show. It would still be around. It would be on like episode 27. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So next time we're going to talk about uh, Terra Prime, the second part of this two-parter. Mm-hmm. And these are the voyages, the series finale. Oh boy. Okay, I'm excited. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you then. Yep, yeah, see ya. Distant future generations look back. Craig is bigger than this. A lot of things change in 200 years. On her last heroic missions. How many died? 71. Her journey ends where the Federation begins. Here's to the next generation. Star Trek Enterprise. 